Welcome back to Texas Running Radio. As always, your hosts here with Texas Mile Split, Travis Miller and Bryant Dybel. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing well this week, Travis. You know, we watched a lot of good performance out there in Marcus One. A lot of good performances throughout the week across the state. Lots of good things here. Yeah, it's exciting. A lot of big things here on store for run episode four now. We have Carter Blunt coming up, had a some great conversations with him about big stuff, colleges, Nike running camp, being U.S. number one, all those kinds of things. Also, we're going to talk to Will Grundy, who was out there, did an incredible job getting interviews and race videos at the Friday Night Lights invite. We're going to get his impressions of the squads and athletes that were out there because we did have some of the top teams in the state. So it's been a big weekend. Also, in Texas Running Radio News, we are now on Stitcher and iTunes. Moving on up in the world. Yeah, some big things here with Texas Running Radio, you know, getting yeah. that official on iTunes. Yeah, that's right. And if you subscribe on iTunes, you'll get that automatic notification, and you will actually get to download it and listen to it before everybody else because I'm sure those of you who are repeat listeners know that we post it up on the site bright and early, about 4 a.m. every Tuesday. But for those of you who subscribe on iTunes, we actually post it up at, you know, midnight, Tuesday morning, so for those of you who are subscribing, you actually get a sneak peek, but enough about that, because we got to talk about some great stuff happening this week, but we're just going to jump straight into the interview with Carter, who, of course, most of you should know by now, is coming off of his incredible performance at the Marcus One Invite, running 15 flat. Only two athletes have ever run sub-15 in that course, so it was such an, an impressive result. He ran the Nike Elite Camp this summer, and talking to him a little bit about that as well as what he's looking forward to with a college visit period coming up for him. And we have to give him a big shout-out because we actually recorded the entire – we called him up, had a great conversation with him about everything. You know, he was such, such a team player. And then, of course, he hangs up. I look down, and we it just none of it recorded. And so I felt so bad. We talked to him for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. But thanks you, thank you again, Carter, because you know we texted him and he was totally down to do it again. So what you're going to listen to is actually our second time through with Carter Blunt, and he's an absolute champ. Did a great job. Spent about 30, 45 minutes <laughs> talking yeah. to us today. So thank you so much, Carter. And here's our chat with Carter on Texas Running Radio. We are on here at Texas Running Radio with Carter Blunt. Thanks for taking the time to join us, Carter, coming off of the win of Marcus at Marcus One, of course, coming through with the 15 minutes at this point of the season. How are you feeling, and how does it feel to run 15 so early on in your 2015 cross season? Um, I was definitely surprised uh, with the early fast times. Um, having the late start because of New Balance, um, I've only been able to build my base up for maybe about four or five weeks. So I've only done maybe five or six workouts. So um, to be able to run such quick times with such little that I've done really makes me excited for what I can potentially do uh, throughout the rest of the season. And considering only two guys have ever run under 15 in the 5K at Marcus, and you are right on that mark, does that give you a lot of confidence knowing in the 27 years of the Marcus course, you're the third fastest guy who's ever run there in the 5K? Oh, yeah. I was, I'm, I'm very excited with the time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, it's Craig Lutz and then 
Kobe Lau. You see the other one? Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, both of those guys are pretty big names, and uh, to be able to run somewhat close to the time that they ran in high school really motivates me to think about what I can potentially do through, uh, throughout the rest of the season. And was it kind of cool, of course, Craig left for Flagstaff, but he stopped by Marcus one before he left. Was it neat to be able to cross the line and Craig was at the finish watching the race? <laughs> yeah, uh, I was kind of like disorientated because I just finished my race and I, I shook his hand and I didn't really look who it was and he started talking to me and I, I just kind of thought it was like maybe like a guy working the Marcus meet and then uh, later I turned around and I was like, oh wait, that's Craig Lutz. And I never met him in person, so that was like my first time to ever meet him so it may come off rude but uh whenever yeah it was, it was really exciting to get to meet him for the first time and uh, i mean he's been a kid that i've looked up to since maybe sixth grade before i've even started running so finally getting to meet him is kind of like meeting one of your superstar idols for the first time and it sounded like you and you know you had some interesting words there to him about a facebook message and you know you mentioned to him how long you've been looking up to him what was that all about Facebook and uh, I asked him like what his middle school times were and um, like what workouts he did which is kind of funny because it's kind of stuff that I get now and at the time like I mean right now I kind of I mean it kind of gets a little like strenuous I guess um, getting all the being messages and like being asked what workouts you do but um, seeing that how Craig like he actually replied to them and uh, told me like some workouts and like how to how to keep improving year out. So um, I'm really I mean I was that like made my day back in middle school. So uh, yeah, it was like the highlight of my life. That's pretty sweet. Do you ever think about that now when you know someone messages you and, and you know you, just, you may get a lot, but you're like maybe I'm inspiring the next Carter Blunt in like six years. Yeah, I usually, whenever someone asks me about, like, what they're doing, I, I try not to go overboard and send them, like, a novel <laughs> length of what I feel like they should do. But, um, I mean, yeah, I kind of think about that. And um, I try to, I mean, I've got I've gotten a few um, asking me, like, what my training is. And I try to, I try to tell them maybe, like, not to try to do my training because everyone's different. But, uh just try to help them and try to tell them that running is a long-term process and that workouts that maybe I do may not work quite as well for someone that's a little bit different than I am and works differently than I work. So, yeah. You've got, you've been to a lot of big time races. You've got, had a lot of great experiences. You've gone to NXN, Foot Locker, New Balance, but this summer you went to the Nike elite camp for the first time. Where does the Nike elite camp rank? amongst those top, you know, running experiences you've had? I would probably put that up at the top. Um, I mean, we have Nike, there's Nike Nationals, and then there's Foot Locker, and it's top top five in your region, and uh, there's probably like 300 kids at Nike, and then there's, they take the top 40 kids for Foot Locker, so at Nike Elite Camp, they took the top 10 in the whole nation, and um, throughout the summer, I was just 
waiting and thinking maybe I might get the chance to possibly go up to Eugene and get to go to attend that camp. Um, and thinking about like all the great runners there are this year, um, definitely blessed to be able to actually attend the camp and um, get to meet all those runners. And out of everything you learned there, is there anything you learned about running or training that really shocked you? Like you went, you've been running very well at a high level for a long time, but did you learn anything there that you didn't know? Um, yeah, um, a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, kind of went off the same method of maybe running um, time for their for their distance rather than miles. So that kind of really got me thinking and going like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, like, running is a stimulus, so um, running for time would make a little bit more sense than trying to run miles and then say you're running for maybe 10 miles. If you say you're going to run for 10 miles, then you might want to go out there and, like, run it as hard as you can just to get it over with. But if you say you're running for 60 minutes, then you're actually going to run off of how you feel and uh, actually get a good run out of it, and it's probably more beneficial for you. And, of course, many of the guys you saw there, you'll see them at Foot Locker and big championship meets and track. Was any part of you while you're there thinking, man, I might learn something that could help me beat these guys later? <laughs> yeah. Um, they, were all, they were all really supportive, and um, all of them were very open to giving me, uh, advice to all of us. So um, I learned a lot from everyone, um, especially Drew Hunter. I, I was roommates with him, and he was like, he's a cool guy, you know, uh, probably one of the – top returners and so being able to share a room with the number one guy for your class is pretty fun um i mean i learned probably just as much as i did from him in the actual camp so yeah it was a really great experience and do you still keep in touch with any of those guys oh yeah we, we have a we have a group uh chat going on right now so it's, it's fun keeping up with the guys they're a bunch of interesting people yeah, you know, distance runners tend to be interesting characters. How crazy is that group chat? Um, I mean, some of the stuff I probably couldn't say, <laughs> especially with Jack's team. So, yeah. So Jack, Jack's the crazy one out of the group. Now you look ahead, racing a lot of these guys, probably at Foot Locker. How have you structured your training this fall so that you can be ready to contend for a title at Foot Locker this year? Um... So especially with the whole New Balance thing, um, my my season has taken uh, quite a. I've had I've had quite a short time to build up my base and uh, get all my training going. So um, I've really just been wanting to take things slow. I'm always I feel like I'm just too quick and jumping into workouts and trying to run them really hard early on. So I'm trying to run run my workouts um, and. Uh, do just a lot less workouts early on this season and just try to get more runs and just let the body be nice and relaxed and recovered. And then um, by the time regionals or so comes around, just kind of start picking up the workouts and um, just be nice and fit for uh, a locker. And, of course, you run in some crazy fast times already, close to breaking 15. When you ran those fast times, did that group chat kind of blow up a little bit? Yeah, well, um, being like traveling out through uh, North Carolina for their for the Full Locker Regional race, um, I've noticed that 
Texas courses are a lot flatter than uh, some of these other ones. So, um, I mean, I kind of I kind of see where some of them may not be running quick times early on, and then whenever I race them, they just go out and destroy it. So, um, I mean, they're always like, Carter, what the heck are you doing? And uh, I just tell them every time, I'm like, dude, this is a flat, dry Texas course, and weather's perfect. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, I think they kind of get it. Yeah, and now you're going to take a little break from racing to visit some colleges. What are the visits you've got lined up next? Um, so I will be visiting Syracuse this weekend and then um, Florida State the following week and then uh, Colorado, I think, either the following week or two weeks after that. And then um, kind of I've got like five or so other colleges that I'm pending on uh, trying to get set up a official visit for, so I can only take two of those. So just kind of narrowing down my decisions. And it can be a tough time for a lot of athletes, especially the top recruits who are going to get a lot of interest from colleges. How have you gone about trying to balance your time between looking ahead, because it is a big decision and needs a lot of time to consider the next four years of your life, but you're still in college or you're still in high school and you need to train, keep your academics up. How have you gone about trying to balance that? Um, I definitely put my um, high school career before my um, college recruiting process. Um, I'm sure if you talk to some of the coaches, they say I'm a pretty hard guy to get to. So, uh, like, I think that since the rest of the U.S. is still kind of on summer and um, they're still not starting up their cross-country season, some of the coaches don't know that uh, we're, we're running some meets on Saturday early morning. So they've been trying to get me, trying to call me on Friday night. So I just, I mean, I just turn my phone off usually the night before. So, I mean, I'm pretty hard to get to, I guess. So, um, I mean, yeah, I've just been more focused on, what's going on right now and um, trying to make my senior year the best season I could possibly make it and um, trying to put off the whole college recruiting process to my downtime, which is right now. And being your final senior year at high school there, Frisco Independence, is there anything in particular, a performance or a time where if you won a certain race or hit a certain time on a certain course, that would be like the biggest thing you could accomplish. You're just you're like if I hit this mark or I win this race, this would be the highlight of my high school career. Um, I would probably say as far as individually, um, I would I would like to go out and um, compete well at the locker. I mean, it'd be a shame to say that I wouldn't be going for a win. Um, so I mean, I'm definitely going to go um, get out there and try to go for a win at the locker, but um. I mean, I know that the class of 2016 is super stacked, having all these great athletes. And, um, I mean, spending a week with them at Nike League Camp and hearing their workouts definitely makes me aware that they won a national championship just as much as I do. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be working for that. And then um, as far as the team, uh, I would definitely like to get our team to stay. Um, it's our second year as a program, so I think it'd be a pretty big deal if we could get us to stay. Um, we've got we've got some really hardworking guys, uh, especially I'd like to point out uh, Russell Miller and Isaac, who have been working especially hard each day. So 
I think that um, if some of the other guys hop on with us, um, then we could definitely make it to state. And we had talked earlier about how you looked last year when you pulled off the NXN Foot Locker Double. You wanted to look at both races and see where you would focus your senior year. You know, clearly you chose Foot Locker. What was it about Foot Locker that made you choose to really focus on that race for your senior year? Um, Foot Locker was, I mean, I've always heard that Foot Locker is an experience like no other. Uh, and getting to do both Nike and Foot Locker um, and experiencing both of them, it's really allowed me to see exactly what they were talking about. Um, Nike Nike was a great experience also, and I definitely encourage everyone to try at least Nike or Foot Locker. Um, but what really stood out to me about Nike was that it was more individualized, which is probably better for me. Um, there were there were a lot less guys in the race, so there's um, there's not quite as many people that you have to worry about getting stuck behind or um, maybe having to move around and all that. But um, it's the top 40 guys of the nation, and we're in San Diego. They take us to a really nice hotel, and we eat gourmet meals every night, and we're racing with the best of the best, so... Um, I mean, it's pretty much the dream race right there, and this treat us so well, and um, just getting to meet all the people and what they do for us was really exciting. And talking about, you know, your team getting stronger and rising up, and there's a lot of Texas pride, of course, here in Texas. Maybe we're not known as a distance powerhouse, but the grades that are coming up, especially the next class, is so strong. What do you see in this next group of guys who are coming up after you? Um, yeah, I've noticed, especially last track season, that um, a lot of the younger guys, especially the sophomore or this junior class, um, they've been running really fast times early on. And um, I mean, I'm 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 very happy. Usually, Texas always has one big name that um, represents each class, and everyone's looking at them specifically. But um, I mean, the class of 2017, they have maybe four or five guys that could potentially be the highlight Texas distance runner. So, I mean, that's that's pretty exciting to think that we have five great athletes that will go on and do pretty big things and can compete at a national level. Definitely, that's very cool. You know, what else have you, you know, being that you are leaving and moving on, you said you have given your team a lot of uh, advice and kind of you know, being a new team, what advice have you given them and would you give to even these other guys who are younger um, in their training and what they're doing? Um, something that I guess I wish that I knew um, back when I was coming from freshman year, going into, co- uh, going into high school, um, that maybe you shouldn't worry quite as much about the races early on. Um, I, I really let some, I let some of those races um, my sophomore year and freshman year, uh, the early races get in my head. So, um, I mean, think of them more as checkpoints rather than races and um, try to learn from each race. But, I mean, if you think about it, the only races that matter are district, regional, state, and whatever qualifying race you're running after that. But um, just really focus on your training throughout um, these early races and um, – just try to just try to get the best out of you, and I know it's hard to 
run a cross country course and see a slow time and be like, oh, I ran a say 16 minute 5K last week and now I'm at a 16:30. What's going on? I need to start increasing my mileage. When really, I mean, cross country courses are all different and time is irrelevant going in. So if you let that get in your head, um, then uh, I mean, it can only it can only go downhill from there. And I can say that off of personal experience. So um, I mean, just just don't really worry about what's going on too much early on. Just try to keep working on improving week after week. Carter, we wish you the best of luck in the next coming weeks. Hope you enjoy, you know, your college trips around the country. Thank you so much for coming on Texas Running Running Radio twice with us here. We really appreciate you taking the time again to come on and follow through. Thank you so much for talking with us, Carter. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Hello. Hey, Will. How's it going? Pretty good. How's it going? It's going good. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Oh, my pleasure. We uh, we brought you on because you were out there at the Friday night li- Friday night lights doing a killer job, and we had some of the best teams in the state, some really top athletes who were racing. We want to get your impressions of those kids and how they did. But first, what was what's that Friday night lights atmosphere like? I mean, the videos, the pictures were incredible. What was it like being out there at the Woodlands last week? Man, it's like another atmosphere I've ever been at for a cross country meet. You have music playing, you have uh, people sitting up on the hills watching every race. You got, uh, I mean, it's, it's just electric, if, if you can believe that for a cross-country meet. It's just a great atmosphere to be in, uh, to spectate and participate in. And talking about those who are participating, of course, we know the Woodlands didn't run their A squad at this meet. They're going to hold off because they're going to be looking to race all the way through December. But even taking that in, into consideration, their guys still come away with the team score. What were what were your takeaways as you watched their sort of you know second group of guys who raced there? Uh, they were impressive. Um, you you, you kind of you used to see Willen's kids in, in the front of the pack, and you didn't see it, uh, but you saw their runners packed up together, like in like I think like the ten to, to fifteen twenty range, and they were all right there for them to. To run necessarily their what seven, eight, nine, ten runners and still right. away with the win, it was it was pretty impressive. And uh, the meet, like I said, this wasn't a slouch meet. They had good kids, uh, good teams, and they were still able to walk away with the win. And uh, I, I was pretty impressed. And looking at you know the guys who took the win, Nathan Gift, that's back-to-back wins for him here. In that boys race, that was pretty tight between those top three guys. Nathan Gift, of course, coming away with the win. Nathan, he's going to be a senior this year at Cinco Ranch. What were your impressions of him in that race? Did he look like he was in control the whole time? Uh, he, he was. It was kind of like a, I want to say a three, four, maybe five-man race for most of the race. Uh, he had a teammate in there as well, uh, Robert Lee, who was pretty much in that that front pack. Uh, but I think uh, the St. John's kid, Joe Faraguna, Faraguna, yep. and uh, Theo Goff were pretty much in a, in a tight pack. And uh, they, it was pretty much like a, like I said, three, four, five-man race for most of it. And then uh, Nathan just seemed to be the stronger one at the end. I uh, seemed, you know, to be in pretty much con- in control of his race, um, and just bided his time. And like maybe I think maybe the last 400 meters, it just kind of took over. But it was between him and the St. John's kid down to the uh, to the wire, pretty much. 
Yeah, and now looking at the girls' side in that varsity A race, it really came down to the same two teams, but it was a whole lot closer between the Woodlands and Cinco Ranch to decide the girls' race. How did that race play out, and what were there any, was there anything that surprised you about that result? For the girls' race, um, pretty much it was between Maddie and, and Kayla. They were pretty much the group out there, and uh, the Flournoy girl. Uh, you know, it was pretty much a, a three-girl race. Um, but as far as team-wise, it, it was the same thing with the boys, uh, with, with the Woodlands girls. They were back there. Um, and, I mean, their split was between their first and fifth runner was just so small. Uh, you didn't see them at the front, but they were just right there packed up. And uh, for them to be such a young team, uh, they were they were pretty impressive. I think if they have a senior, it might be one. But they had a freshman in their top five. And, uh, man, they, like I said, it was an impressive race. Uh, Cinco Ranch was also up there. Um, I think they're a young team as well. But from, I think, Region 3, they might be the sleeper. I guess if you can call them a sleeper now, so they got second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they got a young group. Uh, but it was pretty much, like I said, boys and girls, the Woodlands and uh, Cinco Ranch. Uh, but, yeah, it, there were some good teams there. Uh, if you look at more on the girls' side, Memorial, uh, you had uh, Kayla Patel. And Leslie Romero, they kind of led the the surge for their group. And uh, on the on the boys side, man, Oak Ridge, Connor Oak Ridge, kind of surprised a lot of people. Uh, you had MacArthur, Aldi MacArthur, who who made it to the t state meet as a as a team last year. They were up there, so it was a pretty good race uh, on both sides. And you know, we've heard a lot about the Dallas teams lately, obviously because you know Marcus won this weekend is one of the bigger meets of the season. We'll have you know the South Lake meet coming up this weekend so a couple of big meets and they'll have all the teams racing there down houston at this early point in the season they don't quite have those meets of that caliber but do you think that the competition is still there that they can have these smaller meets but they're still racing against some of the best uh this year i, I do i do uh you got the i guess the teams on the north side that will be in region two with some of the dallas teams like the kingwoods and the woodlands and klein oaks and and all that, but I guess the teams that will still be down here for Region Three, uh, Seven Lakes was was stacked last year. Uh, but if you look at that same area, the KD and West Houston, you got a uh, Cinco Ranch. They they showed a lot of youth and uh, pretty much a team to beat. You know, you still have KD that didn't participate uh, much this weekend. Um, they'll be strong. The uh, Memorial. Uh, it's 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 going to be a pretty good good year. Uh, a lot of people graduated last year, but you'll see teams youth kind of rise to the top this year as we saw this weekend out of the houston teams that we have over there is there any matchup you're looking forward to in particular as this season plays out not necessarily just between the teams we saw at friday night lights but from the area as a whole what on the girls side specifically what matchups and what teams are you really looking forward to watch race each other uh on the girls tide uh, I, I will say you know pretty much just the same with the, the woodlands and kingwoods but I'm looking forward to see what Katie, and then uh, when you get the Seven Lakes and matched up with the um, the Cinco Ranch girls, kind of see what they'll be doing. Cy Woods also, they ran in the B race, uh, but their kids look pretty good. So pretty much around here, that those kind of teams, it would be interesting to see how they how they match up when they get to a meet. I don't know if they'll be at the um, the Kingwood meet or the Cypress Woods meet, but. Something's got to give. They got to meet sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
And we hear, you know, in preseason, there's those same kind of teams that are come out as the dominant favorites. Up north, you have South Lake, and we saw how dominant their guys were this weekend. And then down your area, the Woodlands on the guy's side, and we saw how, you know, the second group of guys ran this past weekend, the Friday Night Lights. Is there anyone who can challenge, you know, the Woodland boys from the Houston area when they're, you know, running their A squad? Team wise, um, I, it, right now you, you really don't see it. Uh, there's a lot of depth, but maybe not top depth. Yeah. Like the Woodlands area. I think most of them may be the Dallas area, maybe some out of West Texas. <clears throat> uh, but you, you got a couple teams that are strong, like I said. Um, Alding MacArthur, even Memorial's pretty good. Uh, Cinco Ranch. They looked very good. Yeah. Uh, just uh, Cy Woods is also very good, but just not sure team-wise if there's a, a team down here just on that level yet. I mean, but it's still young season. Uh, it's a lot of people graduated, and freshmen and sophomore will start to step up. So give a week or two, and we'll we'll start to see. But right now, it looks like the Woodlands is the, the cream of the crop around here. Yeah, and just, you know, with the Friday Night Lights and that kind of atmosphere, to be able to run – and to meet like that at this early stage in the season is great. But do you ever wonder with how the Texas season is structured, with how early we start compared to a lot of other areas in the country, that it's difficult for teams to maintain this fitness level through November and December as well? It is it, it, it is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, Texas, I mean, they, they kind of start early. And even the summer, the when, when they train, start training, it's so grueling with the heat. Uh, yeah. But you'll see some of the uh, California teams and uh, Illinois, Pennsylvania, New York teams uh, <clears throat> later in the season, they're still kind of finding their groove right. until like November and uh, months like that. But uh, I, I guess, th- like, we talked to several coaches uh, this weekend on Friday Night Lights, and uh, the, the coaching community around here is just is, is such a good mixture of coaches, and they're young, and mixture of older coaches, and they're, they're good coaches down there, so I'm sure they're prepping their kids pretty well. And I think their mindset is beginning from as soon as they start in late June, July, all the way till I guess, now December. <laughs> so they seem to be pretty prepared. And, I mean, year after year, they're doing their best to, to be in the mix with those other teams. Yeah, you know, coming from York, both myself and Brian's in the studio here with me, I mean, I'm accustomed to my first big race of the season weren't really till the end of December when races, you know, like McQuaid or Manhattan rolled around. Or end of September, you know, going into October, it was the first time that, you know, the, any of the big teams in New York or the Northeast really started racing. And so coming down here, because a lot of those teams have been, you know, cons- consistent players at NXN and those type of meets. Have you noticed a shift as Texas teams have become stronger in recent years and expecting to perform better when they go to NXN? Have you noticed any shifting in how the t- elite teams and individuals have structured their race schedules in terms of when they choose to really start turning it on in a Texas season? Uh, that, that's an intriguing question. You, team-wise, like, like I said, the Woodlands, they kind of waited because yeah. they're looking to do more uh, state and after. Uh, there are some teams that are just on that level that they have, you know, that's all. That's a plan from the get-go. Right. Um, and then, like like you said, there are some athletes that have that plan, like uh, Maddie Borman and, uh, say, Julia. They had long seasons in the track season, so they kind of start or, or taper or, 
or watch how they prepare for cross country with, I guess, the mindset of still going to NXN and Foot Locker. So, I mean, team-wise, I, I guess there are very few teams that know they have that that uh, capability. Uh, like I said, some of the Dallas area uh, teams and a few down here in Houston. Uh, I, I guess the coaches, they they just know kind of like what strings to pull and when to pull them. And, you know, I also forgot, um, oh, yeah, Conroe Oak Ridge. Uh, boys, they seem like like they'll be up in Region 2. They, they were pretty... They were pretty impressive, so they might be a team around here mm-hmm. that can challenge. But they're in that that crazy district with, you know, Kingwood, <laughs> Woodlands, yeah. uh, that whole fiesta. Yeah, so that's that's crazy. But uh, they they may be a team to watch for. Yeah, you know, you mentioned her right there, Julia Haymack, with the incredible breakout season she had on the track. It's nice to see her taking a nice, well earned break from racing for a little while here. I mean just based off the improvements she made in the tr- on the track I mean, what do you think we could see out of her this season once she starts to get racing again of course we know she'll be focused to our championship meets as well uh man i guess the sky's the limit uh we saw we talked to her on friday uh she wasn't competing but she was out there uh spectating and um, yeah. man her, her her confidence level just seems she just seems to be a different runner after <laughs> competing in those international races uh it'll be something to watch just to see what she can come back and do uh this year so i'm i'm very excited to see what happens with her and some of the other other kids i mean it's kind of like um craig lutz he him and uh uh uh, parker uh i forgot the kid's name but they kind of did the same thing yeah yeah they kind of did the same thing and they had uh long track seasons long cross country seasons and uh, I guess we'll see if, if they follow along those same patterns. Yeah, and just you know, wrapping up, what have you in the past couple of years? It really seems like Texas distance running is starting to go to, to the next level, where we had you know certain individuals like Lutz and those guys who would perform well, but we didn't really Texas didn't quite have those distinctive teams that were well known nationwide that would be at NXN every single year but now it seems like mm-hmm. some of the teams both on the boys and girls side are starting to establish themselves as teams that aren't just known within their you know local Houston Dallas areas or within Texas but the national you know, running community is starting to recognize them more what mm-hmm. you know what do you think can that be attributed to of course you know this establishing all you said all these great coaches in these schools helps to build the program but why and where is this coming from, this movement now that we're seeing these programs become so much stronger recently? Uh, man, I, I don't know. I, I guess there's just so many kids down here, and I guess everybody can't play football or basketball. <laughs> but uh, I guess, I mean, the running community down here in Texas, uh, I mean, I guess most people think of sprinters when they think of Texas track and field. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the distance runners have, hey, they can pop their own collar and say we're, we're formidable. Uh, like I said, from um, South of Lake Carroll all the way down to Houston, uh, El Paso, Amarillo, Tascosa, those type of programs are really yep. jumping up. And, uh, man, you, you can go anywhere in Texas and, and jump in a good race. So I, I guess cross-country distance running is making their, their push for being recognized down here in Texas as well. And, of course, I guess the unfortunate thing, with how the Texas schedule works out is a lot. Most of the meets are very localized with like the Dallas teams racing those guys. Houston races each other. 
you know, you'll see some crossover at the McNeil invite, but there's not a whole lot of competition across the different levels where we get to see the Woodlands go up against South Lake on the boys' side, or and then like Marcus or one of those teams racing Kingwood and those type of matchups during the season where other states have those, you know, monumental historic meets that attract, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in the state to go there. You know, everyone in the surrounding state, they get, you know, more along the lines of 7,000 runners compared to the big meets down here with that getting just getting over 2,000. If you could, you know, put together a meet and look at the top teams that we have this year, what is one matchup where you're like, I would, out of everything else, I would love to see like these two or three teams go head to head? Wow. Um, I, I guess you, you, you would have to say definitely, uh, the Woodlands on the boys' side, I would say the Woodlands, uh, South Lake Carroll. Yeah. Um, they, they always seem, uh, to, to be the two top teams. I would also want to, you know, bring some of the teams out West cause they seem to be run tearing up a storm and you don't see them to, uh, to the state meet like Tascosa right. or, um, you see New Braunfels, they're the running scene down there is really picking up. Uh, but you definitely have to have the Woodlands. You definitely have to have South Lake Carroll. You can't can't uh, start a meet without those two teams. Yeah, and as we look ahead, it seems like both South Lake and the Woodlands this year are set up pretty similar, where they don't quite have. I mean, the South Lake has Reed Brown, and he's certainly going to be in contention for one of the top spots. But both of those teams are very much built. You know within the top five that they don't have that outside of South Lake and Brown they don't really have that low stick that's going to get them you know one or two or three points and that state meet is going to be a real battle as you look at you know those little those kind of teams and their preparation for the state meet what kind of difference does it make for people who aren't as familiar with the cross-country scene to have that tight compression in the bigger meets uh <clears throat> I think it makes a difference because you if if you know them, then you kind of know where you're at. If you're around uh, the the top three kids from the Woodlands, you know you're in a good place, or you know you can t- kind of take pacing. Um, you you also just know just where you stand as far as the team. If if you can finish uh, close to those kind of programs, uh, then you know you, you know your training is on a uh, on a good path. Your your coach is on a good path, and all everything that you do, you put in hard work. Then you know you're kind of on a good path. But when you get in a meet like that. Uh, like, like we talked to several coaches, they 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 have their kids prepared. I mean, they they were prepared for this meet. All the kids, um, even the not so big programs that are, that are there, uh, the kids were ready to run. And I mean, this and I can understand why this meet was just man, it, it was electric. <laughs> you got the music playing, everybody cheering. The guy, the announcer, is saying who's running and who's in front, mm-hmm. and they just come around and you just see a whole bunch of people. And I mean, kids to running from side to side uh it's just electric so when you get in a meet and you know you're with those kind of kind of programs with kids from those schools uh you just gotta gotta raise the bar will thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us tonight and of course thank you so much for helping out with texas miles but here coming on board and killing it with the meat coverages out in the houston area Give everybody a shout out to stop by and say hi to you down there. Keep killing it, Will. Thank you so much for taking time to talk, and we'll probably have you on in the future. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. That, again, was Will Grundy, who we can't thank enough, both for joining us on the podcast and for helping out. Many of you have met him by now. He helped out at the state meet 
meet a champs and now he's gonna be killing it with coverages out in the houston area getting interviews he put together those fantastic rates videos from the friday night lights so i mean he's gonna be out there all season long he'll of course be at the state meet helping us too so you guys you see him walking around and he meets stop say hi we get interviews with top teams and athletes after every race. Will, thank you so much. Always great to talk to someone who's very dialed into his specific area of the state and how those teams are doing, keeping track of everybody at the Friday Night Lights. And you know, like he said, this is going to be a fantastic year, both for those teams and the rest of the state. And you know, always wish we could get some more some meet during the season where we really could pool the best athletes in the state and get them all to go head-to-head. But for now, some of the best stuff we've seen so far this season was at Marcus 1. We were there this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from that race. And obviously, we heard Carter Blunt talk earlier, and you can't talk about you know, Marcus 1 without talking about you know Carter. Brian, we talked about this after, on the way back from Dallas. Like one of the first things we talked about was how smooth Carter Blunt looked. Oh, definitely. I mean... Watching him run, he just kind of floats across the grass. He just looked effortless out there, and just he he just was impressive to watch him run that fast this early and to do the what he does the way he does it. He just he knows what he's doing out there, and I think he's got a good control of how he races each time. Yeah, and in that individual race, it it really I mean we could tell he wasn't going to go for the record. He just wanted to get the win, and he's not looking to race hard right now. He's approaching this season real smart, just aiming. His end goal is footlocker, and so we saw him. You knew right from the start because you know if Carter Blunt's racing hard, he is off the front and gone. And he was running with that pack through the beginning stages of the race. You know, Strome, Brown, Garner, all those guys up in the mix, and it was great to see them. Obviously, all coming in around fifteen thirty or faster, right in that range. You know, Reed. Obviously, I think he was around fifteen nineteen. But that group, and we talked about Carter too. That next rising group with Brown and Gardner, both juniors, this is going to be really impressive junior class. And seeing how Southlake ran, where Reed, we talked to, I talked to him when we were up there with that team. He's going for the win at state. He's he's going for top five easily. And seeing Gardner now packing him in with him as well, and coming off that track season where he ran around nine fourteen, and of course didn't even make it to state, which is mind blowing. But that's besides the point. Looking at the Southlake boys, how do you beat a team that has two guys who could potentially run in the top five? and still has a solid group right behind them who is going to be pushing to get, you know, top 15, top 20. How do you beat a team like that? I mean, I'm not I'm not sure how you beat a team <laughs> like that, to be honest, Travis. I mean, they're, they're, they're solid depth all the way through. I mean, even all the way down to their JV teams is just, it's very impressive. I think, you know, they won even the JV races, uh, you know, the girls' side and the guys' side just stacked, like solid pack of runners in the front, in the lead. And they just have that pack mentality of running, um, you know, talking with some of the guys afterwards, like uh, Strom and Blunt, you know, they know that, you know, the Southlake guys are going to run together and they're going to run fast and hard out in front for the first few miles. And that's the way they go out, um, you know, talking to them. That's what they were kind of saying. And when you have that kind of a pack mentality and a pack that's that tight and close in in their one to five guy, it's going to be a hard team to beat. I mean, to slip some other guys in there, it, you just have to really have a really solid team to get after them. And I think, you know, as... Um, as they, as he was saying, you know, matching up the Woodlands and Carroll would be a great a great thing to see. I think that would be definitely an interesting race. Yeah, you know, Southlake coming off of the team title last year, which was so impressive because they had two big injuries and they only lost one guy this year, so they're getting those others back, and so their team it you know could potentially be much better than it is last year. 
in there coming back in. And the Woodlands doesn't have the guy like Reed, at least on paper, coming into the season. You never know who can hit those big improvements during their summer training. But, you know, like Will said, just looking at their JV guys, they know how to race smart. These, you know, it's a staple of, you know, NXN regional state, NXN meets. These guys know how to raise that pack running. And if there's a team that can beat Southlake, I think that is the Woodlands because they may not have a guy in the top five or top seven, but if they pack their top five right in there, after, right in that round, that top 10 to 15, that's the only way someone is going to have a chance at beating Southlake. And right now the Woodlands on paper, even though we haven't seen their A-team race, could be the ones who are positioned best to make a run at that group. But, of course, another uh, name to note is El Paso Eastwood because we saw some impressive times out there from their season opener this past weekend. Oh, for sure. Those guys were those guys were rolling. I think they had a solid group of guys under 16 in their race. Was that the one that we are Yeah, and Bernal 15-15, obviously second fastest time in the state, one of the fastest time in the country, right right behind Carter, Carter Blunt, of course. And, you know, that's a huge boost for them if he can keep those those times up. But Eastwood had a lot of – because we look – you know, obviously Southlake's one thing. They have 16 guys under 18 minutes in their first meet of the season. But – eight through 16 don't matter what matters one through seven and i think eastwood could be equipped to challenge south lake and woodlands too i think it may be an issue of just finding their fourth or fifth man who can compete with woodlands and south lake definitely i mean you know just looking at the results from that race the the top guys and it was the uh the rudy rudy alvarez yep rudy alvarez. yeah six yeah. guys under 16 minutes and you know yeah paso eastwood first third you know 15 15 for their first place guy 15 49 just some they had some solid front runners in there and i like you said it it is finding that that fourth and fifth man it's all about that team right there and you know interesting enough with just how the texas state meet is structured for us coming from new york where the state meet is a gigantic meet having that low stick makes a huge difference in your team score with texas it doesn't have a huge impact with how limited the team entries are into the state meet and getting those qualifier spots. Getting a one through top five, sure, it's great, but it doesn't make as big of an impact as it does at a lot of other big state meets or NXN, you know, most type of large races. So for teams like El Paso, Eastwood, or Woodlands, may not have a guy who's going to win. Well, El Paso, of course, has Bernal there, but the Woodlands, who doesn't have a guy who's going to win or maybe even get top five, it's not that big of a concern for them if their pack is still running tight together because just with the size of the Texas State meet, having those low that individual who hits the low numbers doesn't make that big of a difference. But, of course, someone like Southlake could have multiple guys in that range. And we have to look at the girls' side, too. That was probably my favorite race of the day. That highly anticipated oh, matchup between Marcus and Southlake. Nail-biter down to the end there with that girls' race. I mean, there's nothing I like more than seeing one of those types of races where I was running. And Marcus is so, such a fantastic meet. Can't thank, you know, John, Don Reed, Coach T, and all the volunteers are, are putting on such incredible meet. But what an awesome course. So spectator-friendly. You can see the athletes almost the entire way except for the 1K stretch in the woods. And we were just bouncing back and forth over the levee watching the start hitting them at the 1K and the one mile, and they were attached at the hip to their counterpart on the other team. You saw Maddie Reed go by, then Archer, then Brown, then O'Neill. You know, it was just like boom, 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 and they were just right next to each other. It was the top five from both teams, neck and neck, heading back into those woods, and that's what you want to see is that tight 
you have absolutely it's too close to count as it goes through and that's that's really what it comes down to i mean that's what makes the meet there and i think a lot of it came down to the very end with that levy stretch you know that that infamous levy at the end but uh it was definitely a highly highly impressive meat battle there with you know marcus coming out on top obviously 48 to 54 but i mean that just shows you how close they are in in the depth of their teams or in how much they were running right there neck and neck the whole race yeah of course marcus with maddie reed going to be a challenger for the title at the state meet and depending you know how everything plays out could still be getting one point at the state meet depending where she finishes against athletes like ashton ensley who won marcus and interesting we, you know, we looked at, again, talking about like we just did the boys, the state meet, not where that doesn't necessarily make as big of an impact. We actually t- actually talked about this with Craig Lutz. He talked about this with how his, obviously he was in that position where he was that number one guy, but they didn't have the fourth or fifth man who could quite pull the weight and finish in those low spots. So his number one didn't necessarily mean a lot. And that's what I think is something impressive without Marcus. They have a nice group. And, you know, someone who I think could surprise everybody this season, Quinn Owen, and I don't think she had the greatest race, but if she improves a lot throughout the season, that makes them even scarier. But, of course, South Lake Carroll, like they always do, didn't have that runner who was fighting for one of those top positions in the pack, but that group, so close, 21, 22 seconds was there, 1-5 split. And that's another team looking at meets beyond the state meet, and that is that's when that becomes so much more impressive. Because if you look at the 5K times, if you just the team scores off of 5K times right now, you know of course Marcus, we saw them. They beat South like head to head, head to head trumps everything. But if you put that if you put that into results merge, whether statewide, nationally, South Lake's compression is going to make a bigger difference at those meets. You know unless Marcus gets that fifth man a little faster. Definitely. And oh, can't we can't talk, we can't not mention Keller. Those girls, you know, we talked about talked to them. We saw them. They were one of those great teams that came out and hang out a little bit on Friday. But super super young squad. All I believe sophomores or younger, maybe one upperclassman. Yeah. I know the top four were sophomores and maybe one junior in there. But four sophomores finishing third against some of the top teams in the state, if not the country. That is super impressive at a meal at this size where it's tough to stay focused when it's that chaotic, that hectic is starting super early. You have athletes that don't have a lot of experience. These Keller ladies finished third overall against Southlake and Marcus with a very young squad. They could be dangerous as the season goes on, possibly a sleeper pick to make it to the state meet running how well they are right now. Julia Black, of course, we saw her at the Games of Texas putting in some solid performances, winning the 16 and the 32, I believe. Yeah, running well there and running well for her team this weekend as well. I mean, and you were right, they only have, I think, one junior in the in their top five there. So definitely impressive squad. And, you know, you can't forget to mention, I think, um, Tuscosa on the guys' yeah. side, also a very young squad, uh, mixing it up. They ended up in third place on the guys' um, elite varsity race. And, again, they had some they had some pretty solid performances. They could be a team in there competing for one of those top spots um, down the road, if they push those 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 back end guys up a little hard, up a little harder. Right. Of course, they have Briggs up there now that Wes has transferred, you know, into their team. Those guys finished six and seven. You know, that's a huge boost for them to get a second guy like Briggs in that top group. And we, we were talking to Briggs. I think he was looking for a time a little bit faster at this meet, but he has that potential to get even better. 
and place better. And if West is right there with him, you know, again, they lack that the depth at the fifth man in that fourth spot. But if they get two guys and a third man is pretty decent too, they could make an impact and make a run for the state meet. They're nine time defending district champs. So we know they're good. You know, you don't do that without being pretty good. Oh, yeah. Now he's got to see how they work through region as they make a run of the state meet. And another young squad, Briggs and West, both will be back next year. So that's going to be exciting to watch. And at Marcus One, you were handling all the interviews with these top teams. You you talked to some of the best teams in the state. Some of these top teams would be looking at compete at NXN. What were your takeaways in terms of the confidence level from teams like Southlake and Marcus? They've been here, but they've been here. They've done that. Let's get down to business. You know you got you want to perform well on the big meets but they got to run well NXN. You talked to their varsity squads, JV squads. What were your takeaways from talking to these powerhouse teams? You know, talking to a lot of these teams, it seemed like even their guys, guys and girls on both sides, especially I remember, you know, South Lake Carroll specifically was I was talking to maybe their, you know, their 20th guy in their team. And they were saying, you know, if I get better and I push myself to be better, I'm pushing number 19, I'm pushing number 18, they're pushing number 17, and just works its way all the way up, and they're pushing each and every individual to become better and better and better. And that's what really helps them, I think, is that they have such a big squad, but everybody's pushing and hoping for those same goals, and they all have the same goals in mind. And, you know, um, that just really helps to speak that they have such a large team pushing each other in that in that light and in that way. Yeah, and during the outdoor season, the Woodland squad was the deepest 1,600-meter squad in the entire country. Now you flip it to the cross season, you're seeing something very similar with Southlake, especially how well they're running right now. And that's one of the matchups that I can't wait to see is the Woodlands and Southlake. And, of course, uh, likely we won't see it until much later in the season with the Nike South invite following on the same weekend as McNeil. And I don't believe Southlake's going to McNeil in the first place, but wouldn't happen anyway. Southlake also heading out to California and also going up to Chili Peppers. So we'll see them get to compete against some of those other top teams in the nation outside of the state, which will be fantastic because a lot of teams don't get the chance to do that. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they perform against those top teams. And then once the NXN regional comes around, we'll really see everybody button heads. And it's going to be interesting. It's going it to be a fun season on you know, the boys' end. With all these teams we've mentioned, and you know, Tascosa, you know, possible players here will mention a lot of top teams from the Houston area. Grapevine ran well up in Dallas. Hebron, they're you know in a rebuilding phase, but they could be a factor. They weren't racing there. Flower Mound, I believe they won the Plano ISD meet. We you know we've already talked about Eastwood. There's some other teams down in the Austin area on the boys' side. We'll have to see how they perform in these bigger meets. New Braunfels Canyon. You know, we have Worley coming back. He has some good supporting crew, and he's another youngster who is going to be right up there with Reed Brown fighting for a number one spot and that big one point at the state meet. So we'll see how that plays out. It's a great, great season now building up on the boys' end. Of course, we all know the girls. The first of many clashes here with Marcus and Southlake leading towards the end of the season. Kingwood has yet to open up. But, you know, like Will talked about, Cinco Ranch and Woodlands both looking really strong, both young squads out there. King was going to be a player. Seven Lakes, Katie, everyone you talk about, it's going to be such a great season for Texas Cross. And everyone we talked to, the coaches were out here, Will, Carter Blunt earlier in this podcast, everyone is so excited about the direction that Texas Cross Country is going. And we're super excited because we, you know, we're, we come from distance backgrounds. 
we come from New York in the Northeast where, you know, cross country is king. Everyone knows FM and those oh, teams. Yeah. And we're now looking forward to seeing the next FM come out of Texas with teams like South Lake, Woodlands taking over and seeing if we can get another performance like Hebron last year, those girls having a breakout eighth place at NXN. And we could certainly see something similar with the girls and guys squads we have coming out of here this year. And now we have a lot of awesome stuff coming up. We're going to be out at the South Lake Invite this weekend. Possibly some big teams from out of state coming down. We'll have to wait to see the official entries there. But we'll be up there getting race videos and interviews. We'll be out in Houston as well. So we have tons of awesome stuff for you. Another week of great coverage, live updates all those kind of things. So definitely stay tuned as we come out with more rankings this week, keeping up to date with everything that's happening during the week. Stay tuned. This is episode four of Texas Running Radio. You never know who's going to be on next or bringing around the best coaches, athletes, contributors, parents in the state to talk about what's going on in Texas running latest news. And, of course, you can find this on our site, on Stitcher and iTunes now. Too legit. Don't even know what to do with it now. You know, Texas Running Radio going up from the next level. Everything we do, just trying to bring all the attention to the hardworking coaches and athletes out there. Keep following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, doing our best to cover track and field and now cross country in Texas and bring it to the next level because, of course, Texas is the best track and cross country state in the nation. This has been episode four of Texas Running Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back as always next week on Tuesday morning.